Welcome to The Unfiltered Map. I'm Elizabeth Lewis, and alongside some of my dearest friends, we've created the show so women have a space to have unfiltered, extremely raw, and insanely real conversations. Nothing is off limits here. This space is for moms who want to talk about everything, to dive into conversations we all deeply desire to have, but fear what others may think of us. This is your invitation to pull up a seat in a judgment-free zone and have a little heart-to-heart. Now, let's get unfiltered. This is a Soul Fire production. In this episode, we're talking about shame and how much it holds us back from our deepest desires and who we really are. It forces us to play small. As a teen mom, I know firsthand what shame does to us. It's taken me 38 years to begin releasing myself from that, and it's still a daily practice of letting it go. And you know what? Most women struggle with some sort of shame throughout the course of their lives. So that's what we're digging into here. Brooke brings it with her take on not having the energy to care what everyone thinks about her. Charmaine talking about the shame passed on from our parents. So are you ready to acknowledge your shame and start letting it go? Let's do it together or at least start. Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm here with Brooke, Kanisha, and Charmaine. And today we are talking about how much shame is a bitch, a straight up bitch in our lives and how shame has a tendency to hold us back from the things that we deeply desire and the things that we want to do. And it keeps us small because we carry it with us. And it's this piece that I feel like, I don't know what you guys feel like, but it's this place where it's hard to forgive yourself to move forward because you're no longer in that stage of your life or, you know, only I can speak from personal experience. You know, I, I had a baby when I was 16. And so I carried for many years, a lot of shame because of that, thinking that I was less than because, oh, I didn't do it the way that everybody else did. I had a baby when I was 16. And if you knew me at that stage in my life, right? Like I was literally raising a baby. I was not probably the same person at all. I, I, would venture to guess I was not at all the same person. And I think that I played small and stayed small because for many years, because I felt like I had something to make up for or prove, or I had to stay quiet because I was like, oh, you know, I had a kid when I was 16. I, I was in the wrong, like I did it wrong. And so I feel like I can think of many seasons of my life where I've carried a lot of shame. And I feel like people are just not forgiving. Like they don't, like you move into that next stage. So say that person that you were, right? And you did not did harm to someone, but you were, you weren't somebody that you wanted to be, or you acted a certain way, or you did something that maybe you weren't proud of. And maybe you don't talk to those people anymore. And you carry that with you and you stay small because of that. And those people aren't over there like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so excited for you your growth or where you've moved into. And I feel like those things, you know, I don't know, Charmaine, you were shaking your head. So I don't know if you feel differently, but I do believe that the things that we've done throughout our life, we carry so much shame for them and it's really hard to forgive ourselves. I think the part I was shaking my head about is the people don't tend to forgive. And then, so from a woo-woo perspective, I don't need your forgiveness, right? And most of the times when people are not forgiving you for a thing, it's really a reflection of how they feel about a thing. Because I had a girlfriend who was a teen mom and the people that judged her were the exact same people who had had abortions, but had gotten pregnant, right? Or they had kids of their own. Like they had, they were older women who had like kids of their own with like multiple fathers. Not that there's anything wrong with that but they were judging this young girl for a decision or a choice that, you know, we all make crappy choices. It's just that some of the times we all have different sets of consequences and my consequences are not going to look like yours. So that was my head shake is that I guess because I've gotten to this certain age, I really don't give a damn if you forgive me or not. Would it be nice? Sure. If I've wronged you, it would be great. But am I necessarily looking for your forgiveness? I think in the reframe of shame, In order for me to not feel shame about a thing, I have to really forgive myself and know that it's a growth process and move on. That was the only thing I was shaking my head about. I, you know, I don't care. I'm getting to the point where I really don't care. I think that comes with age though, because I do notice that the older that I get, 
I feel like I carry less of it. And I think the forgiveness part more is like, maybe not forgiveness is maybe not the right word, but more of like an understanding, like, oh, you're not the person that you used to be. You're this person now you've grown, you've evolved, you've done all this stuff. And I think there's this piece of like cutting some slack that's like, okay, here's the situation. Say in a season in your life, you said something about someone and that person found out and like, you were just going through a lot, right? Projection, all the, all crazy stuff. Then five, 10 years later, you're not that same person and you run into this person again, but they're still carrying this one situation instead of understanding like, okay, like, especially if you're like, I am so sorry for that thing that I did for you, because that person's probably carried that for so many years. And I feel like people just are so unforgiving when it comes to that. And then you carry that. Like there are people in a stage of my business that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like I was trying to do everything I could to make everybody happy, people please. And in that process, obviously people got hurt. Do you think those people five years, like, oh man, she's grown a lot in five years. No, they're still remembering the shit that I did or that I was learning along the way or things that I was working through as a new business owner they're still holding me to that instead of being like, oh, I bet she's grown so much, right? Or, wow, she's come a long way, you know? And so for me, I carry shame from those seasons. I did carry shame through those seasons instead of, you know, obviously I'm going through my own growth process of like, oh my God, I needed to go through that stuff in order to be the person that I am today or the business owner I am today. But I feel like people just aren't as understanding of that. Does that make sense? Maybe that's a better way to explain it. It makes perfect sense. It does make sense. But I also think about it where I have trouble with that sometimes because of my childhood, like when I was abused and neglected for most of my childhood. And now I'm to the point where I do have a hard time. Well, I finally forgave my mom. We talked about that before, like in some different spaces and some conversations, but I still carry that with me. And it took a really, really long time. And I just couldn't like forget about what happened though. Like, if that makes sense. Like, and we'll hold that grudge, I feel like. (laughs) Well, so what you're saying, I I think that with shame, you've got to understand that some people are going to have a negative perspective of you based on their experience and like letting that go. Like you might not be able to change that, you know. Like you're not going to change how your mom treated you, right? Like you're always going to carry that. You have maybe more of an understanding and like a bigger picture, more bird's eye perspective of things on your own growth journey, but it doesn't change the hurt. And the same with you, like Elizabeth, like people that had a different experience of you with business, I mean, they might always carry that experience because that was their experience. And part of you letting go of shame is recognizing like I'm not that person anymore and it sucks that they think that I am oh well like I I can't change that perspective or that relationship is not worth going back to and like trying to reconcile or you know make amends or whatever it looks like I think part of it is just recognizing okay I'm a human and I'm growing and I made some mistakes and that might mean that people got hurt and that might mean that people don't like me and that might mean that people will always view me as Brooke in this season and oh, well, like I can't do anything to change that. I know, but I still think that's so hard for so many people, myself included, right? It's like, I think that's something I am so understanding when it comes to like stages that people move through in the sense of like, okay, they're not that person. Like I will give you another chance. I'm not really that person that's like, oh my gosh, like they did me wrong in this season of their life, like really recognizing like how much people grow as they age or move through things or different things like that. So I think sometimes it's really, really hard for me to wrap my head around why other people can't be as understanding. And I know that's just life, right? I get it. It's people. Part of it is life. And if you think about the nature of social media, social media is all about judgment. Even if you're not forming a negative judgment of somebody, you see somebody's post and you're judging in that moment, is it worthy of me to stop for two seconds and read this or to go someplace else? So when you have this culture of people, you know, all of us included, where we're on social at some point and we're making these micro judgments at every second of the day, depending on what we're going to watch, who we're going to follow, all this other stuff, 
I think it lends to the space of judgment and holding other people to a higher standard. I mean, think about mom groups. Mom groups historically have been some of the most unfriendly (laughs) places on social media because moms are projecting the shit that they have and they haven't done onto another mom that's actually coming in to get support, which is what I love about Detroit moms is where it's not this mean mom culture. It's this, come, let me help you. Let me give you resources. So I think that's where a lot of the judgment comes from. And the respect to shame, though, I know for me in regards to money, I am knowledge-wise really good with money. But when it comes to a pretty pair of shoes (laughs) or something that I want, I have to be really intentional. And so throughout my life, there have been points where I have like, man, I have blown through some cash, yo. And for a while, I was shamed. I was ashamed of that because I, I was supposed to know all this stuff about money. Like I'm this bookkeeper. Like I should know these different things. I've been in the financial industry. I should be doing better. But then when you realize this is a journey, you realize the belief systems you were brought up with. I was brought up with feast or famine. Like you get the money, you blow it like a wild crack addicted weekend. <laughs> and then you go, oh shit, <laughs> I need to pay my light bill. And so you realize that you're in this cycle. And so I think that's why I look at shame differently is that now through my work, I realize that there's this cycle and that it takes so long to change a belief system that you've held because it's the repetition. You have to repetitiously go back and do the work. You have to intentionally and repetitiously go back and do that. So that's allowed me to afford more grace to myself and other people. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm getting better. You said system. And I was thinking the whole time, like how systemic all of all of this is ingrained in us. <laughs> it's ingrained in us yeah. through our society, through white supremacist society it has ingrained that we have to think a different way, that we have to be perfect, that we can't have or that we can ignore our implicit bias against people because our judgments that we're making all of those things, like the shame that we hold is stuff that we are conditioned to have into how to act. And we have to actively try to pull that to the surface and turn it off. And it's really, really, really hard, especially because implicit, you don't know that it's there most of the time. So I'm thinking about, I was having a conversation yesterday about this a little bit. I was doing in a training a little bit on implicit bias. And we were just having some conversations about if you live in society and you have a brain, you have biases and you are judging someone like it's inevitable. So we have to be able to talk about it and recognize it and put it out there so we can, like you said, Charmaine, have those actions that we can work on it to try to take it like take it away. And I think Detroit Mom does do a really good job of not letting that come in. But I have been in some spaces where it has before and it's uncomfortable a little bit, right? But I know that I'm guilty of that too. Like, because when I first see someone or you, you're you meeting them for the first time, you're going to like jump to a conclusion that you think just because of the way they look that they're this, this, and this until you actually have a conversation and get to know them, right? Yeah. And that's the craziest part, I think. In, and one of the coolest is when you can take a step back and like get to know the person, like there are so many people where I'm like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about them yet. And then I'm in a space where like we're one-on-one or I get like, you know, it's maybe a couple of us and I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're not the person that they thought. And maybe it's because I saw them differently on social media or, you know, in a different light. And then also, you know, I'm going to throw human design in there too. Like there are some of us that are constantly projected upon because, you know, for my, I can only speak for myself being a two Enneagram and someone that's deemed, you know, the helper, the savior, things like that is like people constantly come to me for things. And when I can't fulfill that for them, or I choose to create a boundary that's projected back onto me. So there's like so many different pieces to this. And like you said, we're constantly judging people. And I think that we don't realize it, but I love what you said, Tremaine, like you can bring yourself back. Like that's where I think that I have such an understanding piece to me. Also part of my human design is I have made so many fucking mistakes. Like (laughs) I'm starting when I was 16 until I'm 40 years old. I make mistakes in my business every day and I learn from them. I make mistakes in friendship and my marriage and 
all of these things, but that's really my place on this earth is to do those things. And I've accepted that about myself. But what if they weren't mistakes, Elizabeth? Okay. Yeah. That's like, yeah. They're lessons learned. Everything that I, yes, it's not a mistake. There are no wrong moves and there are no mistakes technically, because from a woo-woo perspective, you're always on path to where you need to be. And those things that happened, good, bad, or indifferent are the pathway to that path. So that's the woo-woo version of it. Well, and then (laughs) so in the enlightened stage or in this phase of my life where I do really feel that I look at majority of society and they aren't there where it's like this. No, you know, oh, you make a mistake. I'm done with you. I'm never talking to you again. I've shunned you from my life. And I'm going to tell all my friends that you're a horrible person. We're going to cancel Literally, you. You are canceled right now. <laughs> was that the cancel culture? Uh, yeah. That is so prevalent right now. It is so exhausting. It takes so much energy to be able to cancel someone out. But again, it's a reflection of, you know, as I think about even when I find myself judging someone, I have to stop and go, okay, what is this saying about me? And oh. this takes practice. I don't want anybody listening thinking, oh my God, she's become this enlightened. And like, no, I am over 40. I'm like knocking on 50. This has taken decades of me being aware, me going to therapy, me seeing shamans and shit. Like it's it's taken work to be able to be aware and go, oh my God, my mean girl has just come out. What am I feeling? Like, is it a boundary that I feel have been crossed and I didn't use my voice? Like, what is it about me? Because it's not really them. It's me. And not saying I don't hold people accountable for their shit. Don't get that twisted. But I just like to find out what can I do about it in the moment? And if it is letting a person go because they just aren't in alignment, then I can let them go. But I have to be really clear about my part in it. So if it was a sucky situation, the likelihood of me ending up back there is reduced because I'm aware of it. So yeah, and that takes work to get that that dance going on of knowing my part, forgiving, yet not fucking with a person again, but being able to move. Like that's a dance that takes work. Well, and acknowledgement, like the fact that, like what you just said, I say this to you, We obviously deal with so many women on Detroit Mom. And whenever somebody will say something to me, I'm like, have you ever considered that maybe something that she has is something you desire? Because I'll be honest, we've had someone on our team who she is so open on social media, like her whole life is out there. Every time I look at her stuff, I'm like, you know why people think that about you? It's because they desire to live so freely and they cannot do that because they fear what other people think. But this woman out there is living however the fuck she wants. And she does not have any shame. She's sharing her whole, like, it is like a soap opera in her stories. You are digging it. Like you are, you cannot wait to watch, but everyone's the first to judge her. Right. Or like shun her or be like, Oh, can you believe she did that again? Or look what's happening. And you're, you know, like whenever I catch myself and like what you just said, that also comes with, I think many years. Um, And for me, many women dealing with many women to be like, why do I even have this feeling and holding myself accountable? Like you said, like, okay, this isn't about me. And this is where if we took one step back from gossip, right, where we're like, when everybody's gossiping and we took a step back and like, do I actually believe this? Do I believe this right now? What's being said? Is it something that I feel because it's something I desire or long for that she's doing or has or is experiencing? Or is it really this person, right? So I think like that's something that comes with age and how you can save yourself a whole lot of trouble is anyone on here, next time you're in a group of women that are talking shit, really consider that because that stuff gets back to people. Like that's why I'm so cautious of things I say or the way that I say them because one person can take that and misinterpret it and you'll carry that. Like you'll never live that down. People will hold that against you for the rest of your life. They sure will. They're going to deem you a gossiper or Mm -hmm. someone who talks shit or whatever. When they was in the room with you. (laughs) That happened to me and I lost like a whole group of friends because of it. Like, And were they sitting there going, Kanisha, stop Mm -hmm. talking. Kanisha, don't talk shit, girl. Mm -hmm. Of course not. They were like, spill that tea, girl. So there wasn't even anything to spill. It was just like something that someone misconstrued and it went back. And there was just 
stuff that was never said, right? Like the game of telephone, because that's our favorite game to play, right? So when that happened, like they were like, we can't believe you said that, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I didn't. Like I approve. (laughs) I, I didn't. But the friendship was never the same again after that. And like I lost the whole group. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. That really sucks. We were friends for like 10 years. And like, what do you do? Like, and that's, that's kind of, and you probably yeah. carry that too. Like say you're yeah. out, like it's a, a guilt or the shame that you feel because what could yeah. you, you know, I always think about what could I have done differently? What could I, yeah. you know, going back to the, whatever time it was yeah. or whatever I was saying, or like we still talk very, very, it's like very surface level now. Right. Or when you see someone like, it's just very like, not like it used to be. And you can tell that it feels different. Do you carry it? Do you feel shame for it? Do I feel shame for it? I feel shame for how everything went down, but I just am still unforgiving of the other person who just said random stuff. I didn't say (laughs) because I'm like, I'm not that kind of person. Like I didn't say those things. Right. But not everyone's going to take that. No, no, that's, that's so true. I'm curious to hear what Brooke has to say when it comes to shame on the therapeutic level. (laughs) Therapeutic level. I mean, I think you're right from what you said at the beginning that it does hinder a lot of people. And, you know, I think that a lot of people have that internal and then external shame. And then there are people that just struggle with the internal shame, like that, that narrative in their head. And then for people like me, I think I've struggled more so with shame coming from outside sources. And honestly, the most intense season of shame was probably when I was working at a church, to be honest. And it was, you know, a place where you're supposed to be like, welcome and come as you are. No, that wasn't true at all. I was a woman in a Southern Baptist church. So it is like, you be quiet, like you do what you're told. And anyone who knows me knows that is the exact opposite of my personality. Like I am so far on the other side of the spectrum. And I was really told by men and women in the church that pretty much how I was, was wrong, you know? And so I battled with that for a long time, loving my job at the time and what I was actually doing and working with teenagers and feeling really purposed in that season and with those people but then trying to battle these voices of you can't be like you, like who you are is wrong and you need to change that. And that internal struggle of, I don't think I'm, I don't think how I am is wrong. It's maybe different from a lot of other people, but they're saying it's wrong. It was just, it was really messy. I think the the church shame is probably a whole another thing. <laughs> Because I think so many people, so many people I've talked to carry so much shame from their church or things that other people put on to them, you know, the way that they should be, or you're this, you're Catholic, this is how you should be, or yeah. you're Baptist, or you're this. And people carry that with them. And this is the thing, right? Why shame is a bitch is it keeps us so small, it keeps us stagnant, it keeps us in the same yeah. spots because we don't feel worthy enough or good enough to move forward as this newer version of us because we're still carrying all this baggage that doesn't even fucking matter anymore that those people aren't thinking about it but we are we're over here catastrophizing right. catastrophizing yeah. oh my god you know what i mean yeah having anxiety attacks <laughs> right yeah and we're always thinking about Isn't it interesting the shit we carry shame over though? Like there are some things that I have done in my youth that others would deem shame worthy, but those didn't, to me, those didn't hold shame. What held shame for me is anything around money. Money is my thing. Anything around money, I can make mistakes any other place in my life, but the standard to which I hold myself for in managing my money can sometimes be a bit obsessive because I don't want to fuck up again, Mm -hmm. right? And so then you have this space where you kind of go overboard because you don't want this same situation to happen. So you're like going overboard to make sure that you don't fail or flunk out in this area when it is inevitable that you are. I mean, it's just like crazy pants, but it's like some things that I don't feel ashamed for. But other things, it's like, like the money thing, it's like, 
oh my God, if it's not the way I want it to look, then I'm doing it wrong. And this is like so horrible and bad. And like, I need to be more diligent and I need to be more serious Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. And also, can we talk about the shame that we carry from our parents? God, we don't have enough time. I think that's a whole nother episode, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a whole nother thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is like the amount of shame that we carry from our parents. Like, you know, I think of the things or their issues, like, right, the things that they did and how people see you because of your parents or how people see you because of a sibling, how people see you because of whatever the case may be. And I do love Charmaine, that whole, like, who gives a fuck anymore? Like, what people think about me. And I want to be there so badly. I am working so hard to be there. And it is still, it takes, I know, I know it does. And I like, and this is where I'm so self-aware, right? Where I'm so self-aware. And then I have this piece that's like, oh, why do I care so much? And like, it's gotten so much better, but I still can feel it sometimes where I still carry that that little piece of really giving a crap what anyone thinks like, and I, I don't know for majority of women, does that ever go away? Like, I, I truly wonder that, like if it fully ever goes away and Brooke, I'm curious how many women come into your office that feel that way. I think, I mean, shame is almost an inevitable in the therapeutic room, right. Or in a telehealth session. For me, I struggle connecting a lot with it because, and maybe you can speak to this with human design. Like I know who I am and I just like, I'm kind of in Charmaine's camp. Like I just don't care anymore. I think I wasted my twenties trying to fit into groups of people that I would not care to be in those groups of people. Like we just don't have anything in common or not enough in common or different life phases. And so I just, I don't, I don't care. I'm very good with boundaries. I'm quick to end relationships if necessary. You know, like I'm, I believe in giving people chances and seeing their growth. If that relationship is mutually beneficial and I can tell that a person is growing, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a lot of room for it. It's too much energy to try to think what everyone else is thinking about me. And I think I kind of try to express that to my clients of like, how is this serving you? Right? Like when you sit with that and you sit with that shame, what is it doing for you? Cause it's not motivating you. Like, even if it's this part of you that you recognize needs work, you beating yourself up about it is not going to motivate you to do the work or to make those shifts or changes that no. you desire or want to. And so is this actually serving you or do we need to find a different way? Do we need to reframe that thinking and that internal narrative? in a way that will motivate you to change and focus on the areas of growth that you want to. But it's got to be that internal factor. Like it's got to be something that you desire and you want, not something that someone thinks that you should do. That's why, you know, I've talked to people like you can't shame your partner into changing. Like it's just not, it's not going to work. It's just not, it's not going to work. It's just going to cause a lot more friction and you're just going to get exhausted and frustrated. So like, let's stop. Let's just not do that. I do think that people definitely like try to shame their spouse or different things like that, where it's like, you should do this. You're doing this wrong. It's like this whole, like, you need help. You need to be fixed. And a lot of times it's this expectation, which is a whole nother thing. But I did want to go back to what you were saying, Brooke, when it does come to human design. Yeah. Like you, you know who you are. Like there majority, there are so many people within the population that don't, they just they don't know who they are. They don't know really much about themselves. And like they, their self-worth really isn't there. And it really relies on, because a lot of us don't have that acknowledgement or understanding of ourselves that like, it's not a shadow that you're able to fix or work, not even fix to work on, to recognize when you feel unworthy or recognize when it's a them thing, not a you thing or different things like that. And I think that's the hard part is, there are those people, you know, like, yeah, you Brooke, I'm pretty sure you have defined centers that like, are like, you know, who you are, you, your identity, (laughs) everything. You don't falter from that where I don't have those. And so it's like, you know, I could wake up one day. I'm like, I'm the freaking shit. And the next day I'm like, Oh my God, everyone hates me. My life is crap. I'm falling apart. And it just, 
every single day looks different for me. And so, you know, whereas for you, it's like, you know, your worth, you know, you're worthy, you know exactly who you are, where mine ebbs and flows, right? Like where I can be kind of like a chameleon and ebb and flow where I need to. But isn't that the life experience though? It's, it's not that you're always constant. There are periods, especially when going into something new or up-leveling something, it's like, should I even want this? Like, why would I want something like this? Why would somebody like me want, like, is this, you know, that doubt creeps back in. And I think what Brooke has is this, I think what many of us have is you have that center of, hell yeah, I deserve this. And those creep in and you have those moments, like, especially around cycle time. Don't come for me because I am not the nicest person. And so I've learned to not be around people, not because I can't control myself. It's just more challenging for me to. And, you know, when things happen, I tend to go overboard, like knowing when those periods are for you. When I'm exhausted, the same thing, I begin to doubt. And so I think having those centers of the center, <laughs> like, you know, Brooke is talking about having that center, you've got to take care of yourself because if you're exhausted all the time, if you're not eating right, if you're not drinking your water, you know, if you're not moving your body, then you're already starting at a disadvantage, I think. And it makes it easier for shame and guilt and all that other shit to creep in because your body is tired and your mind is tired and you just can't. Wow. I'm the person that you just described. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead, Brooke. No, I was just going to say, and that's why it's so important to have people in your life that can say, that is not a you thing. Like that's a them thing. You know, they're putting that on you. Like, no, that's not, that's not an area of growth that you need to focus on. That's not something about yourself that you need to work on or change. It's important to have those people that when you're kind of wavering, that can really give you that solid foundation of like, yeah, I mean, I have kind of seen that in your life and I've experienced that from you too. So yeah, maybe that is an area that you want to work on. And just to have that conversation and be honest with you and tell you like, get out of your head. Like you're great. You're fine. Yeah. Girl, you got this. Why are you tripping? It's so hard. (laughs) It is hard. And I think that's why we all need friends like that. Right. That can be honest with us. And yeah, And that's the thing, right? When call us out when we're wrong and, you know, like, right. That the shame thing to have friends that say, you're not that person anymore, because as much as yes, yes, we can internally recognize that and we can say to ourselves, you're not that person. Unfortunately, outside validation is a legit thing and humanly necessary. Like we weren't ever meant to do this alone. We're always meant to do this with people. And I think that also has a big part of doing it together in the sense of being that support system where it's like, you know, obviously our ancestors didn't have the the, the stuff we deal with today, but <laughs> what we deal with today and doing it our way together looks that fashion, looks like that, where we have to validate each other and see each other and witness each other versus shaming and belittling and talking shit about each other. What can we do different that helps each one of us excel and grow past that point of shame where we can be honest with each other and say, I carry this piece with me. I carry this bit of shame with me and it's really hindered my growth or stopped me from doing X, Y, and Z and having a friend, whether they're a new friend or a long-term friend, be able to witness you in that and say, I can totally see why you feel that way, but you're not her. And that was an experience you had. And I think that's the thing, you know, in my one-to-one coaching, I hear it all the time. This is why women need coaches or work with women is because they need validation and they need other women to cheer them on and witness them and hear them and listen and guide them, walk alongside them. Like, why is it that we have to pay someone to do that? Do you know what I mean? That we're not, we're not doing that for one another already. I know, I know many of us do. Like I am fortunate enough to be surrounded by so many women that do that for me. And hopefully I do that for them. But I know that's not, I bet you so many of you listening right now can sit here and say, I don't have that. Or I thought I had that and it's not what I had. Or I really lost my identity in motherhood and yeah. I don't have the same group of friends or things like that. I think that 
there's so many pieces to it. And it all really comes back to, geez, like even thinking about that, like being in community with one another, like really what it boils down to. You know, something that I thought about when you're talking about ancestors too, and as a Black woman, I can say um, for some of the Black community, it's so ingrained into us the shame because that's exactly what we felt since slavery is that we were taught to be less than and we didn't matter. And we were taught to feel shit about ourselves and we were taught to not be able to be proud of accomplishments and things like that that have guided us through these different generations that we've had to try to build ourselves up and we don't get a lot of support on that all the time and sometimes it's a little harder because we keep getting kicked down by the system and it's harder for us to come back up and get the help that we need and get the support that we need from friends unless we're actively putting ourselves into the situations to be able to do that. Yeah. I think I've always been fortunate to somehow connect myself with good people like 90% of the time. And that came from, it's, you know, kind of, as you speak about the black community, there's this, and I don't know if this is everybody's, there's this disconnect of you can do anything you want and mistakes are okay. But how stupid of you to make that mistake. This is going to ruin everything. And how dare somebody like you dream this big? Like there's this, this is like, wait a minute, can, wait a minute. Can I do everything that I set my mind to? Or is there limits to it? I'm really confused. And it took me a long time to unpack that because those were the conflicting messages where, you know, your family is telling you, yes, reach for the stars, but here are the parameters in which you can reach for the stars. Like you should go to college, you should get a husband, you should get a house, like you should get all these things. And I almost want to say like, that's, even though the black experience has a twist from the other women that I've spoken to, whether they've been Polish or Italian, that a lot of them, if they were in working class families, that's kind of the same thing. Like, you can have anything you want, but reach for the start. But like, this is the box that you can have anything that you want. And then having family that that's just different, you know, where, yes, they're supporting you, but as long as you're not exceeding them, they're supporting you. <laughs> and as soon as you exceed them, then like my dad's side of the family, I love them with the love of the Lord. And my husband could not understand when we got married, why I didn't want to be around them. They're leeches. You know, they didn't, I'm about to go off into family trauma, but child, look, yeah. (laughs) But how normal is that? Just not in families, right? But in friendship, like you, you're good. You're a baby. I love you until you are far exceeding me or you have more money than me or a bigger house than me or girl, you think you better than me just because you got yeah. this little blog thing going on. Who do you think you yeah, are? I think this is like literally like, you know, something, you know, something so interesting is I've really had to do a lot of work around is my husband and I, we chose to live in a condo because our lives were super busy. We live in 3000 square feet and I was like, oh, but the right way to do it is a house. And I used to, you know, it's so funny, like to even openly admit this is like, I had this time where I was like, man, am I not good enough because we don't have a house? He's like, you know, it's so funny when we choose these things, we chose this, like we had a choice and we chose to have our lawn taken care of our snow removal, all of these things, because you, you want to know the biggest thing we were buying a house. We bought it first in the recession and there was nothing to purchase at this time. And I remember growing up where my parents spent all weekend taking care of a lawn. And I was like, I don't want that. And like my in-laws, they had lost my father-in-law lost his job. They just built this brand new condo. And they were like, you know, we have to move to Columbus. And Joel and I had been looking for a house for, oh my gosh, during the recession. I don't know if you guys remember, everything was short sailed. It was freaking awful. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is great, right? I didn't, you know, I didn't know any different. And then as I kind of was in stuff, I was like, Oh, am I supposed to like have a house? Like, is that the right thing? Cause everyone's like, Oh, they live in a small house. They live in this. And I'm like, who cares? Like, and when you talk to a lot of people, it's a choice. They don't want to be house poor. Like it is a choice to live the way that they want. Also another reason we live where we live. I love where I live. I love that I'm walking distance to downtown Farmington. I love that the kids can walk to school. I love, we live in a cul-de-sac. There are a lot of things. 
that I love about it. You know, and so that's where it goes. Like every going back to everything you said, like it's supposed to be done this way. You're supposed to do it this way. You're supposed to have a house. You're supposed to be yep. married first. You're supposed to all the stuff. And it's like, what actually deems that? Like what says that that is the Who thing? Who made these damn yeah. rules? You know, and then like <laughs> when I talk to people, they're like, oh, um, you know, like I, I always feel like not that people are, they're like, oh, I didn't know you lived in a condo. I'm like, are you judging me? Like, what do you yeah. mean? Like, I live in this by choice. This, my husband, and I have more than enough money. We've looked into building. We've looked into doing all of this other stuff. And it's just not been the right time. There's not, I want to live in Farmington. And I don't know if anyone's looking for me. It's really hard to find a place to live in Farmington the way I want to live. And so I choose to stay here. A choice I choose because I want to travel with my family. I want to do all these other things. But it's like, you know, going back to that where people, you know, gosh, like the shame. Why? <laughs> and it's not even our shit. <laughs> I know. I never even cared until so I remember like a couple people saying that to me. And I was like, I have more square footage than you, babe. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like you live in a house, but I have more square footage. I don't mow my own lawn or remove my own snow or stain my own deck or anything else or any lawn maintenance. But you are deflecting on me because I like what it's just such an interesting thing. So Charmaine, when you're talking about like family, I think it the same goes in friendship or when you yeah. look at other women. You know, because I was thinking about this, I one of the most top read posts on Detroit Mom, the top read post of all time goes viral every time we put up is I can't remember the title, but it her name's Erin Van Piper, and she wrote a post about having a small her house is small, and here I think in Livonia, and how it is a choice. And do you know how many people were like, hell to the fucking yeah, it's a choice, because everyone looks at you like, oh, you live in a small house, you must be poor, right? right. Like that's the bias again. Yeah, it, it goes into all of these yeah. things. And mm -hmm. I think then, you know, like, okay, here's the thing. So then these people who have small houses don't want to invite people over because they have shame because they have a small house and people are going to judge them because they choose to have a small house. And we feel like we cannot own that shit because people look on the outside and like, oh, she must be poor. She has an old house or a small house or that's what people would say about me, I had like a minivan for like 15 years. It was paid off. It ran. It was great. I drive my cars until the wheels fall off. Like, it's not that I can't afford another one. I enjoy not having a car. Yeah, now. right. Why can't we be okay with that? Like, why can't we be like, yeah, that's so great. Instead of looking, you know, my kids, Projection. it is. And, but you know what? It filters into our children where my daughter, I remember my daughter, my, she's 10 and she would be like, oh my God, do you see how big their house is? I'm like, Okay, then I obviously go to project. They probably house poor. You know? I know, guys. I know. And then I'm like, yeah, that's a beautiful. I have to literally, you know, I'm probably like, they're probably house poor. And then I have to like check myself. Yeah. And yep. say <laughs> all the you know time, what, babe, that that yeah. house is big and it's it's a lot to clean. I betcha. <laughs> like, and it's what they want. And you can have whatever you want. Yeah. Like it, I'm learning how to flip that too. It's like, uh, you know, again, that's what the work and the awareness, you begin to see where these patterns are showing up for you. And just every day you get even more human friendly, you know, you get more human friendly every day if you're doing the work. Cause the goal is not to be perfect. Cause you ain't going to be perfect. I mean, let it be one tough day where you in traffic, you're going to judge everybody. And like, it, it takes work. <laughs> oh my gosh understatement where you're not like, you know, every little thing. And I think that's the thing, right? When you're living in a negative space in your life or you're, you have all the shame or you, you haven't done your own work. Everything on the outside is horrible. They yep. have more than you. They're just more lucky. They're this, they're that. But like what people don't realize I can speak for myself is how much work I've done on my fucking self. Yeah. Like sitting silently with myself all the shadows that I carry, all the things that I didn't want to bring to the surface that were so uncomfortable and to have to sit with them where I can look and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I used to be like, I want this big house. I want this. And when I drive by them, don't get me wrong. I still am like, oh, that so looks beautiful. so big. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Home oh, must be so amazing to have that much space because growing up, I didn't have that. Yeah. 
I did not have a ton of my, you know, my parents chose the life that they chose because Charmaine going back to money issues, my parents just, my dad, this is my dad. You can't take it to the grave, Elizabeth. This is what he said all the time. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay, dad. Yeah. Like can't take it to the grave. You know, let me take out a student loan and fucking go in debt because Girl, you can't I take it to the grave. I student loan to go on trips. I took, like, I, I is one for education. I went on trips. I did all types oh. of stuff. They were like, yeah, you can, you can ask yep, for more. Take the max. Like, I can ask for uh-huh. more. Yep. <laughs> can we please educate our children on yeah. this? Because my mom did it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody yep. did because my parents didn't know. Right. Like, and, yep. and I carry that like student loan debt when someone's like, yeah, my parents paid for college. I'm like, Oh, you know, and then really? that's a shame you carry because your parents yeah. didn't pay for your college. Yeah. What was wrong with your parents where they couldn't pay for your college? There's that shame, right? Creeping back in because I'm not, you know, as good as everybody else because, you know, half my friends, they're, they're not in student loan debt. Like, what did I do? Like, I wasn't, you know, there's just so many pieces to it. And like, I think the biggest takeaway in this is like, what can we do to support women and like free themselves from the shame so they don't stay in this small place, in the same place of feeling the same shitty way, whether it's something that from the outside or an internal thing? Well, obviously, it all starts on the outside, right? Brooke, right, right. It all starts on the outside. Yep. Like, what can we do different? Like, if I, I hope that when people listen to this, like you can take away just being a little bit more compassionate to people or looking at other people and, you know, like not judging them for what you see or wondering like, oh, they must be poor. They must be this or, oh, you know, like just did the shame that people carry. If we could just all be more understanding and compassionate yeah. with yeah. one another, like, why is that so hard? And I think as someone, you know, I, I can't wait to get into human design here. I'm a three, five profile, which is like the three is the Phoenix. I'm constantly dying and being reborn again. Like that is who I came to this earth to be. And if you know me and you've been in my life for a while, you have seen many eras and evolutions of me. And the reason is, is I think that I am coming into my own, releasing old stories, getting rid of things that no longer serve me, including people. There are a lot, there's a lot of shame I carried for many, many years with, with friendships and not understanding where they went wrong and thinking that it was always me. And then when I took a step back and like, what if it wasn't you though? What if it really wasn't? And that part, yeah, like if I can really be honest with myself, you know, I think don't, I don't know how you guys feel, but when a friendship goes bad, you're like overanalyzing, trying to figure out everything. Like read the text messages 1200 times to see what went wrong. Make sure I didn't like misunderstand anything Mm -hmm. or I didn't say anything that set them off. And then you get to the end and you go, nope, she was just on her own journey. And this, it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) And it had nothing to do with you. And that's, no, we get so caught up in this piece of our lives that nobody else is affected by, but it ruins and destroys us and keeps us in places that are less than desirable, you know, and it's something I don't want my girls carrying or my son, right? Like I want to talk about it. I want to be able to (laughs) acknowledge it and talk about my own shame um, or things that I've overcome and be so brutally honest with them because, you know, that's kind of where the conversation came up today was Rachel was telling me about her daughter and the things that she carries. And then the shame that she carries because she did that to her daughter. Like first kudos to her for recognizing that what her daughter is experiencing is because of her, right? Because I don't know about you, but my mom was never going to be like, until she's in this afterlife, Elizabeth, I am so sorry. I did my end of life review and I'm so sorry for putting you through hell. Okay, mom, I forgive you. Okay. Better relationship. I'm like, it just, my mom, if she was in this life right now, here and alive, she was never going to say, I am so sorry for all the the hell I put you through because I had my own demons. I had my own things that I needed to work through. And it's just like, then you're, you know, we as parents project that onto our, our children. No, you said if we had something to leave folks with, I would say you would ask that. I would say quit striving for perfectionism and check your bias. Yes. And forgiveness or not even forgiveness, understanding, Mm -hmm. a collective understanding that we're all here. We're all souls here having a human experience. 
and we're human and we make mistakes and we get it wrong and it all, doesn't always work out. You know, if I would say anything, you know, kind of piggybacking, it's the whole clarity piece. You know, a lot of the times we think we're clear, but we're really not clear. And just really taking inventory of your life, because a lot of the times when we have shame in an area, you know, like you said, shame doesn't make us motivated, Brooke. Like it's, you're not motivated when you're feeling ashamed of something. You're like, F it. Like I'm so, yeah, I'm not. Why even try if I'm going to be a sucky at it? But just start evaluating your life. Like look at kind of each area of your life and see what's there and get support where needed and pick one area. That's all. Look at the areas, the one that you think sucks the most and pick that area and get support in that area or find support for that area and start there. Just one thing. That's the one thing. And it's important to surround yourself with people that are invested in their own personal growth. Like if you want to find community that can really speak into your life and tell you, okay, this is yours. This isn't yours to hold on to. You've got to find people that are doing the work themselves. That's where you'll find that kind of community and that kind of level of friendship. Yeah. Like, and surrounding yourself with people that will have compassion for you or will cheer you on or support you on this journey. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have that. There are spaces for you. I can think of plenty. There's Detroit Mom. There's Retreat to Reclaim. There's there's more. I don't know the other ones. We'll put them in the show notes if I can think of them. But there are spaces where, you know, it's just you putting yourself out there and being intentional with people. And like Brooke said, doing work alongside, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are doing the work because we were never meant to do this alone. Like, look at years and years and years of history, decades and centuries, people weren't out there doing it by themselves, like the legit good ones, you know, before obviously racism, so, you know, slavery and all of that stuff, obviously going way back. But I think that there's so much that we can do together if we just, just have a little more compassion. And like you said, like working on ourselves, like getting really honest with yourself, you know, this willingness and desire to do the work and understand where your shame is coming from, right? That's the, the acknowledgement, I think is the the first part. Acknowledgement is the first part. So anyways, thank you guys for being here with us and listening. And hopefully you took something away, whether you listen to my small house story and you're like, yeah, I have a small house and I'm proud of it. Like whatever the case may be, like whatever you listen to in here and you felt seen, whether it was from Brooke, myself, Kanisha, Charmaine, and you saw yourself in one of us. No, you are not alone and you are not doing this alone. So again, thank you for being here. We will see you guys next week. Have the most amazing rest of your day.